Welcome to this edition of The B Word, the show where we demystify everything to do with B2B branding to get to what it really is, how it works, and why it matters for business. My name's John Galpin, co-founder of Branding Agency Design by Structure and your host for today's episode. So today we're going to be talking about brand marketing versus demand generation. What are they and where should businesses be focusing? I was slightly horrified to read on LinkedIn recently, someone say that B2B brand is dead for investment right now. Sorry, brand marketers, but I don't want to be in, in your shoes. The kind of emphasis needs to, to move kind of further down the, the funnel. And generally speaking, it feels like when the kind of going gets tough or the economic con conditions get more uncertain, that people retreat into a much more tactical space. So, you know, focusing on revenue, kind of killing everything that you know, isn't performance, marketing, even cutting, you know, marketing headcount and so on. And in my mind, this, this short termism is not going to help any business that wants to kind of lead and dominate a category as brand and demand uh, are, are intrinsically connected. So today we have as our guest, a marketing expert to help us demystify the role of brand marketing in the overall context of everything else a CMO needs to do. So a warm welcome to Paul Mills, CEO of VCMO. And um, Paul's purpose in life is to educate owner managers and business leaders on the true value of strategic marketing and how it can be the most powerful driver for their growth and success. So Paul, thank you for joining. Thank you, John. Good to be here and hi to all your listeners. So Paul, let's get stuck in with the big question. Is brand marketing dead in B2B right now? Um, I don't think it's dead. I think it's massively misunderstood. I think particularly in the B2B world, if, if you were to get a, a group of lawyers or a group of accountants together, if you were to ask them what brand marketing is and is it dead, you, you'd probably get a very myopic view of what brand marketing actually is. You'd probably get an answer of it's all the colourful stuff it's the visual identity, it's the things around words and fonts and colours and logos. And I think certainly in the B2B world, particularly in professional services, uh, that sort of myopic view is kind of the wrong way of looking at brand marketing. I, I don't like the term brand marketing because I think it, it, the, the term itself infers it's all the, the, the visual mm. stuff. I prefer to call it marketing the brand. And, and there's a big difference there because the brand is the business. And if you think of it as marketing the brand, actually, you're talking about the corporate strategy. You're talking about the strategy to grow your business and to develop the, the competitive advantage to add value. So when I talk about brand marketing or marketing the brand, I'm, I'm really talking about you know, how do you generate a competitive advantage? How do you gain a positional power over your competitors? How do you reduce the impact of new entrants coming into your category? How do you attract the right people, the right talent to your business, engage them and retain them? How do you use influencers to talk about your brand and get more followers? How do you use suppliers and how do you gain bargaining power over your suppliers to help them you know, cut costs or terms to your advantage? So that's really why I sort of say brand marketing isn't dead, it's misunderstood. I think that's that's so true. And I, I really like what you said about marketing the brand versus brand marketing, because I think brand, as we know, we're going to get onto this later on, is such a loaded term and that people 
you know, will typically, you know, go somewhere else in their heads when you kind of mention the B word. So that's a uh, yeah, super interesting way of thinking about it. Just talk us through in your, your mind then, the, given some of what you've just said, the sort of difference then between, you know, marketing the brand and demand generation, because actually just based on the way you've just described it, those things are actually very connected, or it certainly seems that way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, marketing the brand and demand generation, they, they coexist. Uh, if you if you think about marketing the brand, if that is your overarching marketing plan, marketing strategy, corporate plan, call it what you like, whatever that plan is, you're going to have multiple strategies underneath that that talk about how do we, what is the strategy for creating awareness and demand for our services? Once we've got that demand, how do, you know, we need a strategy to convert that we need a strategy to communicate our offering. We need a strategy to deal with all the customers that engage with us. Mm-hmm. What happens when things go wrong? So you've got a customer excellent strategy. You've also got a strategy or, or functional strategies around retaining the talent to have the organization that's orientated around the customer. So you think of marketing the brand as lots of different strategies across different elements of, of, of the business. Demand generation, yes, there will be a strategy behind that. But as the name suggests, demand generation is really all about generating demand. It's about generating awareness for your product or service. And it's generating that interest. It's part of that ADA, you know, the classic ADA model. And really, when you think about it, yes, there's a strategy behind demand generation. But actually, demand generation as an activity is largely tactical. You're going to be using communications. You're going to be using advertising, PR, word of mouth events all those different things digital to, to really sort of generate that that demand. that's kind of how i see the difference between the two terms yeah and i think that that's really helpful and i think i was going to ask you actually is one more important than the other but actually listening to the way that you 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 talk about it i guess the answer to that is is no because you know you can you have one without the other in in, in your view you can't have them in isolation. You could have the world, you know, a world-class demand generation strategy and all the best activities. If you're generating that demand, if you don't have the marketing plan behind that, if you can't service that demand, you haven't got a business, you, you start getting problems. So I, I think it's really important to understand how they fit together. The, the common denominator here is strategy. Both need a fundamental strategy to make them work in the right way. Um, and you have to make sure that the tactical delivery is done properly. But yeah, they, they definitely do coexist. And do you, do you think the, uh, you know, the growth stage of a company affects actually that, that mix as well? So for example, if you are a business that needs to differentiate in a very kind of crowded category relative to a you know, a category leader launching a new product, for example, like does, does that kind of um, brand or marketing the brand versus, you know, demand mix change? It doesn't matter where you are in the business life cycle. At the end of the day, you've got to differentiate your value proposition. So whether you're a startup, you're an established business, or, you know, you're looking to exit or you're in decline or whatever, you've got to differentiate yourself. And if you think about, you know, how do you differentiate yourself? There's only really four strategic decisions that you have to make. You're either going to be better than your competitors. You're either going to be cheaper. You're going to be different uh, or you do nothing. Those are kind of your four dominant strategic choices. And those choices are the same no matter where the business is in the, the business cycle. So, so I guess coming back to that question, it doesn't matter what part of this, the growth stage you're at. 
depending on your business context, you need to make sure that you've got the right brand strategy or marketing the brand strategy and the right demand strategy, depending on that context. So that's how I'd kind of answer that. And when you talk about, you know, from a sort of differentiation point of view being, you know, better, say, than a a competitor, it might just be worth digging in into that a bit more because, you know, what do we mean by better? Or do we mean, are we talking about differentiated value? Like what, are, what are we really talking about there? What does it mean to be better? I, I think it depends on the category, the product and the service. I think if, if you look at the smartphone industry, uh, Paul, when they came out with the iPhone, you know, a long time ago, they completely changed the category. They had something completely new. It was different. It was better. But a lot of, you know, a, a lot of people now say actually Apple have been overtaken by the other smartphone providers that offer better things, better functionality. I, I think, you know, better is kind of quite subjective, but it all comes down to if you've got something that's better, why is it better? Prove why it's better. Uh, and I think, you know, being better could just be simply, to some people, it could be being different. Given the sort of macroeconomic context that we find ourselves in today, where, where do you think um, CMOs should be focusing right now? I think they should be focusing on, on <laughs> delivering tangible results with less because that's what the economic situation is kind of dictating. I've heard so many CEOs or owner managers saying things like, I'm not sure the investment in marketing is generating a return or we need a steady flow of leads, not impressions. I know I need to invest in marketing stuff, but I don't know what stuff to invest in. I think particularly in difficult economic times, the, the role of the CMO becomes really, really more important. And it's really uh, the CMO's duty to prove that the investment in the marketing function is delivering a return. The wider macroeconomic situation means that business owners and boardroom executives, they're looking at how to optimize their, their business models. They're trying to do things cheaper. There's a cost, cost of living crisis, which means employees are demanding more wages. So all of a sudden the business model comes under scrutiny. So I think the role of the CMO and the duty of the CMO should be to deliver more with less. I think really what the CMO has to do in, in today's climate is really demonstrate tangible results. The technology exists now. You've got this thing called AI coming onto the scene, which is changing everything about marketing. AI is giving marketers the ability to do more with less or to you know significantly reduce mm. workflows. So with a, with a finite level of resources, you should do more. But it, it's not about playing with shiny new toys. I think the CMO has to demonstrate both conceptually and in hard numbers how marketing activities directly support the sales results. So I, th I think that's really, it, it's all about demonstrating that tangible link. And I think actually just listening to what you, you, you've just said, I think actually that's kind of a perfect example of why uh, marketing the brand, as you put it earlier, and demand generation actually need to happily coexist together because you know, it's only by kind of doing both that you're going to really kind of get to those sort of tangible metrics that actually boards are, boards are looking for. You're absolutely right there. And I think if you're myopic to that, your, your business is going to struggle. So now that we've established that both brands, uh, or sorry, marketing the brand, as my new favorite term, <laughs> and demand generation should happily coexist and work together, let's, let's dig into brand a little bit more. So when you're advising on companies on their brand, what are you typically focusing on, Paul? 
I kind of work on five basic strategic questions. The first, the sort of first thing I explore and ask business owners is, you know, what is the core strength that will help your brands win in the market? There's really four dominant uh, things that companies will focus on. They'll either focus on a product-orientated strategy, where they'll invest in R&D to make the product or service better. So think about what Tesla's doing. Their dominant core strength is the product; it's the technology. Or, you know, some, some companies may uh, be more a brand story-led strategy where they invest in marketing and advertising around the brand purpose. So it might be something like, you know, Coca-Cola. Or you might have a strategy around the customer experience. So you, you invest in the culture of the organization and your operations. So think about what Middle Eastern airlines are doing, like Emirates. You know, that is all around the customer experience. Or your dominant strategy may be around price. You know, investing in your operations to make the product cheaper to produce or the service cheaper to to deliver. Think about McDonald's there. So first of all, I, I look at that, you know, what is your dominant core strength? The next thing I look at is really how tightly connected your customer is to the brand. So if you're kind of new to market, you probably haven't got very many customers that know about you. They're probably indifferent about your brands. They might be interested in your brands, but you know, they might use it and then switch to someone else the next time they need your product or service. So you really want to go from moving your audience from a bunch of people that are indifferent to your brand to beloved. You know, they completely love your brand and they will be your brand advocates. The next thing I look at and explore with owners is the, the current competitive position. So what is your competitive position in the market? And what I mean by that is, you know, are you the dominant power player in your, your category? Are you a challenger? You know, are you looking to knock the market leader off their perch? You might be sort of a bit earlier in, in your business life, life cycle. You might be more of a disruptor. You're not quite big enough to, be, to challenge the market leader, but you've got something new about yourself, something different where you can actually disrupt. Or, you know, a bit like me at VCMO, you might be a craft brand. You might be new to market. You're small, you're unknown, but you've got something quite interesting to do and say. So I look at the competitive position. The next thing I look at is the actual business situation. You know, what is the the, the, the context in, in which your brand sits? So are you looking to maintain momentum? You know, you might be a market leader. You might be doing really, really well. You just want to maintain momentum. Or your business might be failing. It might require some sort of turnaround strategy, not just at the marketing level, but across all functions. So that, that's important to realize. Your business may be facing or may require some sort of realignment. It might be you've got a fantastic brand, but the rest of the business isn't living the values of the brand. So there might be some sort of realignment thing required. Or you might be a startup and you're starting from fresh. So those kind of four situations will really kind of dictate how you approach your brand strategy and then only then once i've kind of understood that those kind of wider strategic questions only then do i kind of focus on the value proposition what do you sell what are the features what are the functional emotional ethical benefits what makes you different to anything else why do your you know why do your customers buy you why don't they buy from you you know understanding all of that is really that's kind of my approach to understanding the brand context at that sort of very wide strategic level do you think that actually when we touched on this earlier that what we mean by brand is is actually fundamentally sometimes misunderstood in 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 the boardroom 
my honest belief is that when you use the word brand in the boardroom, people do misunderstand. They, they kind of jump to that conclusion that brand is all about, oh, we need to change the color of our logo or we need to change the font of something. It's, it's that more sort of tactical, creative piece. Brand is really, it's a strategic discipline. There's lots of elements. Yes, you know, the, the colors and the language and is part of the execution, but really boardroom executives need to understand what brand is. And I think us marketers kind of, we let ourselves down sometimes because we use these terms interchangeably. We, we kind of lazy with those terms. I think a lot of people in the boardroom, they're not classically trained marketers. They're, they're kind of working off their own knowledge of what they think marketing is. So I think that's one of the problems. I think the other the other problem we have is actually there's, there's, there are, you know, there are great marketers and there are average marketers and there are weak marketers. And I think, you know, that there, there are some CMOs that probably aren't doing themselves justice in terms of their discipline. Marketing over the last 10, 15 years has massively changed. It got more complicated. It's got much wider. So I think really uh, CMOs need to put a mirror in front of them and say, actually, are we really doing our discipline service? And, and I think also boardroom executives, they will read what's in the press. They They will read headlines like, this business failed because it ran out of cash. Businesses don't fail because they run out of cash. That's just a symptom. Businesses fail pretty much because of a fundamental strategic marketing issue. You didn't create the demand. You didn't execute the sales conversion properly. Perhaps your customer services department didn't address the customer needs satisfactorily, so on and so forth. So I think the role of the modern CEO really is to kind of break those assumptions of the boardroom and really educate the boardroom executives, you know, what, what brand marketing is and what brand marketing isn't. Where you've kind of encountered those that kind of have faced challenges in the board, right, with perhaps a board that doesn't really understand why they need to invest in brand and marketing the brand, you know, what, what advice would you give them? I, I think as... The, you know, as the technical expert, as a subject matter expert, you need to know the marketing discipline deeply, both at the strategic level and the operational level, but not just in one or two elements of the marketing mix across the entire marketing mix. And I think it's also important that the, the, the CMOs think commercially. If your marketing budget was your own money coming out of your own pocket, would you spend it in the same way on those vanity kind of activities? you probably wouldn't. So I, I think that's the first thing to consider. I think the, the other thing to consider is, as kind of mentioned earlier, is about educating business leaders on what marketing is and what it isn't. Explain the nuances between strategy and tactics. Explain the terminology. I think the other thing um, to, to kind of bear in mind here is, as a CMO, don't be pressurized by non-marketers telling you how to do your discipline. It's it, it's really easy. I think you know this is part of the the problem I'm seeing at the moment. Is there are at board level the C-suite should be working collaboratively and equally across all of the C disciplines. But what tends to happen is you find that the CEO, the CFO, will tell the CMO how to do their job or what to do or what to focus on. And that for me is really quite disappointing. Now, that might be because the CMO is not delivering. And I think that's a different story. But I think sometimes, you know, it, it, it's great to get input from your colleagues and, and board members. But actually, you need to stand, as a CMO, you need to stand firm and say, actually, if, if there's an idea 
that's coming through that is just ridiculous. You, you just have to have a bit of a thick skin. Say, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that, but don't really operate off a strong voice and activate things off that strong voice because actually sometimes working off those gut assumptions or feelings creates worse marketing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think this is where, you know, voice of the customer and actually, you know, building a story actually that's kind of, you know, based on some solid data points that kind of removes the subjectivity from it is really important because Absolutely. when it becomes opinion based and, you know, when, when your message changes every five minutes based on the meeting, the kind of, you know, the sales director went to last week, then you you know you're in trouble because, you know, it takes someone it takes someone a long time just to actually put you in a box before they even understand the value that you can create. So if it's shifting sands, then actually the, the people that you're targeting have got no chance of actually figuring out what you do and why, why they should actually even kind of care about it. So yeah, super interesting. You've worked on uh, several rebranding exercises as a CMO, Paul, any kind of key learnings that you would kind of want to, to share with other CMOs? Yeah, I, I think it's really important because there's rebranding and there's rebranding. I, th I think, you know, first of all, decide what type of rebrand exercise are you working on? If it's a visual identity, if, if you've got a great brand anyway, and it's been in the market for a few years and you just think, right, we need to change, we need to freshen things up. It's just purely visual. That's fine. That's one element of brand. But if your business is failing and you need to, a full market repositioning kind of rebrand where it's not just rebranding the identity it's rebranding the entire business that is a completely different beast to a, a visual identity change if it is that full market repositioning piece i'd say be very very careful with the agency choice because you may be working with an agency that you've got a great relationship with they may be great at doing the visual uh, elements of the, the brand but if you're really thinking more about that strategic repositioning piece, make sure that the agency you're working with has that strategic capability to really sort of test the assumptions that you're briefing them with in terms of that repositioning. Because you, you don't want to invest six-figure, seven-figure sums in a rebrand and get it wrong. And I think, again, it, it comes all the way back to that strategic depth of knowledge. I think the other the other thing I'd suggest, particularly with, with rebranding exercise, is get as many functions, key stakeholders, and customers get their input, get get them involved in the data gathering exercise. So, so when you're trying to get insights around, you know, how how do your employees view the brand and how it operates? How do your stakeholders see it? How do your customers see it? Getting more information, you know, more data is better because. If you think, oh, I, you know, and I've seen this in companies that the owner or the board say, we know what our customers think, we know what they like. Again, working off those gut assumptions is really, really dangerous. That that's, you know, should be an alarm bell. So I think get more data. Uh, don't just interview two people and think you've done it. Interview 20 people. That time invested will make massive difference in the outcome. Get that empirical evidence. Always prove or disprove those assumptions. Invest time in getting the data. And I think the other thing is, it's, it's about be brave. Let the agency do what they're good at. You're, you're, you're uh, hiring an agency for a purpose. If, if you could do the creative in-house, you would do the rebrand. So I think when you're, when you're working with an agency, when you're instructing the agency, let them do the creative bit. Never tell the agency how to be creative. I think the other thing that I've seen is 
don't involve everyone in the business and the creative aspects of the process. Because you know, particularly in a partner-led organisation, if we're thinking of B two B, if you've got all the partners having their say on what shade of pink or blue the logo should be, it, it's like herding cats. It's it's just a dangerous place to be. So involve the key stakeholder, the managing partner, or the CEO, and do a final reveal at the end of the project. So, Paul, you've just launched BCMO, which stands for Virtual Chief Marketing Officer which is all about transforming the way business leaders can tackle their marketing challenges. So let's get into that. BCMO is an entirely virtualized business model, and it consists of a network of virtual chief marketing officers. BCMO is a term is kind of, it's very popular in the US, but it's not really a a well-known term over here. I think some people kind of know the concept of a fractional marketing leader. It's effectively a fractional marketing leader or chief marketing officer. So it, it's a, a bunch of um, virtual CMOs and also a network of what I call cutting edge delivery partners. And together, the VCMOs and the, the delivery partners really transform complex marketing challenges into a competitive advantage. We're really just focused on helping businesses grow faster through our solutions. And, and where did the idea come from? So what was the kind of, you know, the in terms of why VCMO has come into being? Like, it'd be great to hear the sort of um, the origin story. Yeah, well, I think uh, it, it's come from my sort of 15 years operating as a marketer and seeing lots of marketing professionals, agencies and businesses just do bad marketing. I honestly feel that the standards of marketing are slipping at the moment. It's not just in the UK. I'm hearing it in the US. So I had a really interesting conversation with someone in Israel this week and they're saying the same thing. I think stands are slipping because marketing is moving at a fast rate. Uh, and I think there's it's such a big discipline now. It's hard for a leader to manage everything all at the same time. There's a lot of consultants out there operating as consultants, but in very niche areas. And I thought, actually, you can leverage that because if you get a network of people together that are great at what they do, but you can pick and choose which CMO you use to solve a problem, ditto with the delivery partner, that gives more value to the business, in my opinion, and, and you've always got a fresh external perspective. I think the other thing as well, uh, the pandemic was, was kind of good for me in a way, because what it did, it, it completely virtualized everything. So virtualization is a norm now. And I always had the ambition to launch a business, but I didn't want to have bricks and mortar. I didn't want it to have employees. So I, th- I think the pandemic and virtualization enabled me to say, right, now is the right time to create a business that has a national presence using a network business model, and, and that enables me to scale something hopefully quite quickly. Just thinking about, uh, you know, this notion of the sort of fractional or virtual CMO, what's the problem that, that VCMO is solving and kind of who is that really for? The problem being, you know, we're, we're trying to solve through VCMO is weak marketing strategy. I, I think mm-hmm. strategy is a dying art form, and I think Many businesses, large and small, they don't dedicate the right level of time to strategy. And I think what's driving that is a lack of understanding of how to do the strategic process. Uh, Basic fundamental strategic Mm. tools are being completely underused, underutilized. And I think Mm. that's a shame. So it's really the the problem solving is weak marketing strategy. Uh, And I think really, if if we can uncover what the, the, the marketing pain points are for the business, you know, what's causing underperformance, why aren't you selling more? Um, why your customers go somewhere else. If we can solve that, then then we can get you onto the right track. Mm. 
But I guess what's quite interesting about BCMO is the is the kind of caliber of the CMO that you potentially can parachute into a you know a smaller business that has not been able to actually uh, you know access someone of that capability for a whole variety of reasons, right? So Definitely. presumably there's a there's a kind of vision here to sort of unlock growth in slightly different kinds of companies. Uh, all, all kinds of companies, to be honest. I think uh, if, if doesn't matter what company you are, it doesn't matter what sector where you are in the business uh, growth cycle. Uh, if you've got a fundamental business challenge that's not, you know, if, if you're not growing as fast as you need to be, uh, if you need to transform your market position, if you're losing your marketing leader through a long-term absence, you know, these are the kind of the problems we solve. So, what what does success look like for VCMO, Paul? Uh, I think success for me is sticking very much to my promise of transforming the marketing landscape. If I can improve the quality of marketing uh, in in the business landscape, if I can get strategy back onto the agenda, on on the boardroom agenda, I I think I've done a a, a good job there. I I really want people to think about marketing in a different way. And I think at the the, the top of this interview, Mm. you asked me what brand marketing is. And I said, actually, think about it of marketing the brand. And I think it's really all about really understanding what marketing is and what marketing isn't. The value that strategic marketing has on creating business value, making the business, increasing its enterprise value, making it more profitable, making it more successful. Paul, it's been great to talk to you and congratulations on, you know, starting VCMO. And we're looking forward to seeing what you do next with the business. Uh, For everyone listening, you can check VCMO out at vcmo.uk. Thank you, John. It's been great talking to you and, you know, getting you corrected on those terms there. And I hope your your listeners find some some useful this interview. Awesome. Thanks very much, Paul.